And that was only six days of 20-some that we were there. It was incredible. We'll be sharing more next week. But just uh, thank you for praying. Thank you for uh, just really allowing us to go. Some of you gave towards the missions trips this summer and allowed our teams to go and serve both in the Dominican Republic and then in Indonesia. And quite amazing stories came out of that. And I'll share a little today, but um, it's good to be back. And now my body will catch up soon, but jet lag is a real thing. So if I fall asleep while I'm talking, it's just totally normal. I'm just joking. It won't happen. Maybe Cross our fingers. Uh, Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. And I think that's good to know. I think it's good to know that, that God has our best desires in mind and just wants us to, to take delight in the Lord. And are you taking delight in life? Like is life giving you the delight it promises? I think is really what I would love to, to challenge you with a little bit today. We've been looking at life verses. We've been looking over the course of the last, this is the ninth week where we've been kind of these verses that you can build your life on, that you can stand on, that will be strength in the time you need it, that you could look back to as a promise when you need it, that you can reflect on to make you aware again of the character that's been sown into you or the call you've received. There's so many values in being able to have a verse that you could build your life on or even call a life verse that, that you stumble upon. And, and that's how I came about my life verse. My life verse is what we're going to focus on. Uh, really, is, it was what we're bouncing off of today. It's in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. And it says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you'd become so dear to us. We loved you so much. And uh, this wasn't an aspirational verse. Like I wasn't aspiring to live up to that verse. It was more like an affirmation. I was reading through like a year plan. I was in Thessalonians. And I was reading through it. And it was like when I got to verse 8. There in, in 1 Thessalonians 2. I was like, oh my word. That's like how I'm living. That describes... The Huff Life, right? I was like, to live your life open. Subsequently, when God challenged us and called us to start a church, and we thought of calling it Elevate, I think was the name I was pitching at the time with our launch team. And they were like, but what about your life verse? First Thessalonians 2.8 says, you know, that you live life open. Why don't we call it Open Life? I was like, I wish that was my idea. But it wasn't my idea. <laughs> it, was, it was someone else's in the room. So I was like, cool, let's do that. And, uh, and they're like, it's just too youthy. Now there's a bunch of elevation churches in the world that are pretty mainstream. Uh, but it's all good. We're open life. And, uh, and I love the name of our church. And I love what God does because it's really living out this passage. And, uh, and I want to camp on this today. Our big idea is that God wants you or wants us to love people so much, so much. I don't know if you use that term or if that's something that you, an expression that's common for you, but it's like, man, how was your meal? Did you, 
did you enjoy the meal? Oh, so much, right? It's that. So much is that. Like, or um, was it a good movie? Like, oh, so good, so much. It was just like, yeah, end game. It's like, everybody, I won't give any spoilers if you haven't seen it, but that's a great movie for a 12-hour flight, by the way. Works really well. Uh, how much fun was that ride at the fair? Oh, so much fun, right? When you just don't have words to explain it, it's so much. How much ice cream do you want? You ask that to a kid. So much. It's just a common thing. So much is beyond status quo. So much is beyond your anticipation even. It's just like boggling so much. It's almost like when you read through the scriptures and they say the people, people were filled with awe or wonder. It went beyond, like something happened beyond their mind's capacity to hold on to it. It was like this so much moment. And God wants our love to be like that. Like he wants the world to experience Christianity like that. I'm just not sure that's how it's experienced, right? When you're left without words, we just say so much. We live in a world that I would say needs a love like this more than ever. Um, so I just want to stir it up. I want to stir it up in us because we have plenty to learn and plenty of instruction where Jesus came and that we could live life to the full. He came so that we wouldn't stay in a constant state of being overwhelmed, but that we would experience all that life has to offer, the peace of mind that he promised when he said, peace be with you. And we get to grow in a relationship with Jesus. We have all these things at our fingertips. What can we learn in scripture about loving so much? When this relationship we share and have with Jesus is, is shared through the context of our life and our love, it makes those around us curious. In fact, so curious that they can't help but observe or inquire. I've heard it said we should live our life as a gospel demonstration that demands an explanation. And I'm just like, ooh, that's, yes, yes. John 13, 34 says it this way. Jesus speaking, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. That sure makes it simple, right? Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Maybe having a growing relationship with Jesus can sound massive to you, huge, unattainable even. Maybe you start to imagine all these things you have to do to have a growing relationship with Jesus. You start putting a bunch of rules in place and, and, and mandates in place. And you start making being a follower of Jesus so beyond your attainable grasp. What you're doing is, is what they did in, in the Old Testament. You begin to make a bunch of rules for yourself you cannot fulfill. And that's religion. And that's not what Jesus came for. Jesus came so that we can have a relationship and simplify this thing.
And the coolest part about it, like the thing that's just amazing, is we could back all of it up to that verse right there in John. And what if we just simplify this whole foundation of growing a relationship with Jesus into one word? Love. Love. God wants you to live a life that is marked with so much love. And if we could get to that part where we could look somebody in the eye and say, just because we, have, we love them so much, even if we've never met them before, I believe God and all the angels in heaven are up there just going, yeah, right? Party, party time. This is exactly what we want. Unfortunately, we live in a time, and specifically a time in faith, where our efforts to love one another are secondary or minimized. They're just one of the things in our life that we do. Um, It's seasonal or scheduled, right? Oh, I'll love I'll love all people while I'm on a missions trip. When I, maybe I'll be more bold with my faith when I know I'll never see the people again, you know. Or, okay, I'll share my faith uh, when I'm scheduled for the hospitality team. I'll, I'll be active in my faith, you know, welcoming people to church. Or, or I'll be active in my faith when I'm serving at the big gift uh, once a year. That's cool. I can be, the, I'll be loved then. The, the week before Thanksgiving. <laughs> or I'll, I'll, I'll love other Christians. Okay, I could do that. I could love other Christians. <laughs> and we get into this scheduled faith versus just all of us. So much love. All the time. So how do we turn that corner? How do we love everyone so much? And I believe Jesus demonstrated it for us and it'll be the foundational verses for our thoughts today in Matthew 9 35 it says Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area teaching in the synagogues announcing the good news about the kingdom he healed every kind of disease and illness when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd he said to his disciples the harvest is great but the workers are few so pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into his fields. How do we love everyone so much? Thought one, we have to see all people. We have to see people. It was the process of serving all the towns and villages in that area that stirred Jesus to compassion like a compelling passion. When he saw the crowds, it says. The crowds are all over the place. When we see people, do we get messed up with passion and love for them to experience the kingdom of God on earth? That's the challenge. Jesus experienced it, and he just says, see them. He turns to his disciples, see them. It goes back to our last series where we talked about lifting your heads to see, opening your eyes, being watchmen. God has placed you here for a reason. 
The world around us is saying, watch me, I need help. When I read these passages, I see a people who are delighted to love everyone. Not just those who look like them or dress like them or eat at the same restaurants they do, live in their neighborhood, or afford the same privileges, like all people. Um, Two Sundays ago, in Indonesia, our Open Life team was blessed to have lunch with some Afghan refugees. And it's one of those moments in your life where you feel like, wow, I've paid no price for my faith. Um, There'll be some images that show, but we had the opportunity to talk with them, hear their stories, ask them questions, pray over them. The stories they shared of persecution in Afghanistan, the suffering that they've had to face to escape the Taliban uh, were painfully beautiful to process. Uh, Being able to hear how they've found Jesus through nothing. An ultimate persecution like we've never faced, like ever faced. Sure, it's kind of, oh man, they've, you know, every once in a while the media says something about, bad about Christians. Yeah, but when's the last time your best friend was beheaded the day before? Or that your family had to move around because now the, the, the Taliban found out that you in another country made a decision to follow Jesus. So now they're hunting after your family to take their lives. It's so impossible to grasp. And yet, these people travel as, and become refugees in the largest Muslim country in the world just to find Jesus there. Through the love and compassion of Christians whom they were told since childhood were evil and hateful and against them, and they could never open a Bible and even explore Jesus, or they would be killed. Couldn't even ask about him. And then they find Christians that are actually loving and caring, and even Americans, to sit and have lunch with an American? A couple Sundays ago was crazy to think. And to be baptized by an American, just a few months ago, the missionary John Taylor that we support. And I look at this and I go, that's missions. And now these guys have a heart to go back to Afghanistan. They pray for the freedom of religion in their country so that they can go back knowing their lives might be at risk. But they're at risk right now in the concentration camp refugee camp that they're in. And the average Afghanistan in a refugee camp in Indonesia will live there for 16 years. Way worse than any of the refugee camps in America that we've seen on TV recently. And they find Jesus in that. Unreal. And here we sit across from them, I don't know, Todd and Christy and and Abby and myself and our, we're just 
I was messed up for a while after that. I couldn't, it's like you couldn't talk because you would just bawl. I won't, I won't look at Afghanistan the same ever again. Or refugees the same ever again. It messed up my perspective. Jesus saw people who were harassed and helpless. And he had compassion on them. And that love that was stirred up in him, that so much love, that compassion, compelled him to challenge his disciples to be active in serving those whom he had compassion on. Missions trips are so critical because we get to see people who would otherwise not be seen by us. And it sparks a love so much that we've never engaged before. How do we love everyone so much thought too as we serve all people? We just get out of our comfort zone and serve. I see people who are known for their delight in loving one another because they're quick to serve. Like that's, that's just what I see in open life. I do see that. I see moments where we're just, we jump in. And, and I love that, that God wants a love in our hearts that is so connected to action. Not just, oh, I love them. Like churches are great at saying they love people. But are we active in that love? Oh, I love those who are hungry. Are we helping feed them? Oh, I love people who are in, in, in need of healing. Are we praying for their health? Have we visited them in the hospital or in prison or wherever they're at in need? Love. The action of love is servanthood, right? And we hear that term. But I love how the author, Patrick Lenziani, just a couple weeks ago said in the Global Leadership Summit, and he said it in different interviews I've heard before, but quote, he said this, my hope is that someday people won't talk about servant leadership because that will be the only type of leadership that exists. It's like, yes. Yes. How do you lead without serving? I mean, Jesus led by serving every town and every village. Not serving out of obligation, but out of promise and discovery of delight. Like once you serve and you're like, wow, that felt good. I'm going to do that again. Oh, I'm going to do that again. That felt real. I just, all I did was take them a meal because they were in need, but that felt great. That wasn't convenient. It wasn't easy. But wow, that was right, you know? And you just feel something in your spirit that awakens. And it's a people that are quick to serve. It's like, not like, is anybody else gonna do it? Okay, I guess it's me, because pastor said we gotta serve. You know, it's like, no, what if we're quick? It was a few months back that we talked on servanthood, and Jaden and I were at Starbucks, right there next to BECU in town, and and, and somebody walked in. I, I just placed my order, and somebody was in line behind me, and they pull stuff out of their purse, and something falls on the ground. And uh, so I jump over, and 
I don't go, like, is anybody else going to get that for her? I'm just going to see if anybody else. No, I was just, I heard it hit the ground, and I was just like, oh, man, you dropped something. Picked it up, and I, I handed it to her. And she turns to me. She goes, well, well thank you. That was, that was very kind. I was like, you're welcome. She goes, oh, and by the way, that was a great message Sunday on servanthood. I was like, I'm so glad I did that. You know, I was like, I just passed the test, baby. Lord, was that a test? You know, it was like, it was one of those moments you're like, man, if I wouldn't have done that, that would have been bad, you know? Those things just happen. And uh, you never know. You never know where you're at, who you're serving, what you're doing. But uh, if we're quick to serve, if we just... Philippians 2, 5 through 8, kind of explains how Jesus was a servant and challenges our attitudes. So not just our actions, but now our spirit behind the actions. It says, your attitude should be same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in a very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. We have the opportunity to serve all of humanity. And Jesus demonstrated this heart of servanthood beautifully by taking on humanity. Himself, considering himself no reputation becoming human fully so that he could demonstrate how to love and serve. And he was willing to serve every town, every people. And he was willing to have compassion and be stirred with so much love for anyone. A person approached me last Sunday night and said, Pastor, I got to tell you after, wow, after your talk this morning, I got to tell you, I, it, it helped me realize something. And I was like, what? She said, uh, I've been very mad at those I work with and that I am employed to serve ultimately. And I've been just frustrated with them and quick to anger. And, just, and I realized during that message that I don't love them. And that's why they get under my skin. Because if I, if I did the work to love them, then it would be an honor to serve them. And it would be fulfilling to serve them. And, and so I want this love. I was like, wow. She said, thought three is going to be my starting point. And here's thought three that she was referring to. Pray for all people. Pray for all people. She had not done the work of prayer to stir up love yet. She saw him. She served him. But she stopped there. And there's more to the process that Jesus challenges his disciples with. He was like, pray for them, right? And pray for workers to go serve them. I tell you, once you've served somebody and seen somebody, you pray differently. Very differently. In that video we transitioned with, and you could see 
us driving down roads with tarps and walking into tarped areas that were probably 200 degrees. It was so hot that every amount of water you've taken in your body squirts out like a sprinkler when you step under those tarps. It was just like, our shirts really weren't that dark. They became that dark with the moisture exiting our bodies, especially tots. Anyway, um, just kidding, that was awesome. Hey Thad, these shirts don't protect you from sweat good enough. He doesn't really talk like a surfer, but you know. Anyway, dude, these shirts are totally not sweat proof. Get bamboo next time. We really were having that conversation because our bodies were just like squirting moisture out. I took a video of, we were praying and I took a video of my leg, it's gross, TMI video, but there are streams of water developing and the hairs are starting to form in stream. Anyway, it was, it was hot all the time, all the time. Had a water bed there. It wasn't a water bed. I just woke up in water. I don't know. It was sweat. Okay, moving on. We go into these tarps and we pray for people. And they were afraid. They were experiencing trauma. And the trauma they were experiencing was that of um, the same kind of trauma we first experienced when they told us when we got there. And they were like, hey, just so you know, we've experienced 124 earthquakes in the last two weeks, you know, two that were 7.0 and higher. And we were afraid because we heard 124 earthquakes and we're at sea level setting up our beds in a building that will for sure, if a very strong, <laughs> you're pretty sure this will land on us, you know, and you're just going, let the earthquake start slow so we can get out from under it. So we practice drills of where to go, where maybe everything won't fall on us. And and then we kind of plan, okay, let's see, if we go this way, maybe there's high ground. And, uh, and so it was frightening, to say the least. And, uh, and the people there were frightened. They wouldn't sleep in their homes at night, so they would go up into these mountains in the hot, hot mountains, and they would uh, set up these tarps to live, three families to one tarp. And they would eat dinner there. They would bathe there. They would every, It was very unsanitary. And uh, so we were tasked to go pray from tarp to tarp, from home to home, and to minister to these and do kids' ministry. And they didn't even want to meet in their church for kids' ministry because there were a bunch of earthquakes that day. We experienced an earthquake there. We actually experienced a lot of them, but felt one really strong. And so we were, we just like, we're praying for the earth to stop shaking. And we were praying for the people's fear. We were praying for peace. And it was exhausting. And yet beautiful. People dr driving at night back from a, a service. And people were asleep on the road. You were like weaving to not run over humans. It was dangerous. And yet they were so desperately afraid. So like... When I think of Indonesia, and I think of the faces and the eyes I looked into, I will never pray the same for them. I didn't know any of them before. They didn't know us. They had never seen, a lot of them had never seen a white person in their life, in person. 
So to them, we were celebrities, and they would always want a photo. Oh, photo, photo. It was really goofy. And, uh, but yet, so moving. And you hear about an earthquake in Indonesia, and you just pray differently now. That's what, like, loving and serving people does to you. It awakens something in you. <clears throat> when we pray for workers to be sent out to people who are ready for the harvest, right? We're praying for the people, and sometimes even people we've never met. These are the people Jesus had compassion for. God's in charge of the harvest, but he challenges us still to be the ones to go out into the harvest and to pray for those that will go outside where the crowds are so that they can experience the full love and life found in Jesus. We are praying, but we are also the answer to the prayer. It's weird. It's like this circle. And you can't help but love who you pray for. That's where that gal was talking to me. Oh man, I need to love them, so I gotta start praying for them. You love who you pray for because you pray you love. Matthew 5, says, but I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Like, love everybody, even those who just make you livid, right? When we first started Open Life, there was a pastor that was like my coach. His name was Trinity, and he uh, would kind of coach us into how to develop stuff and get things ready and systems ready, and and uh, January will be our 10th year. Is that crazy to think? We'll be 10 years old, Open Life. And so, anyway, we met right after the launch service on January 10th, 2010. And he's like, man, what, what surprised you so far? And we're sitting there at Trappers. And I look across the table at him, and I'm just, I well up. Kind of like I did when I was talking about the Afghan refugees. You know, you just got something comes up in you and your eyes start to get allergy reactions, tears. And, uh, and you're just like, how much I love the people is what surprises me. And why? Because we'd been praying for our city. We'd been praying for the community. We'd been praying for people we've never met and they show up and you just love them because you've been praying for them. And some of them by name. That's where it's kind of special when you meet somebody you've been praying for. It's just something, in fact, you almost have to reserve your emotions or you might get just too like, oh, it's so great to meet you, I've been praying for you. And they're like, whoa, aggressive, weird Christian. Weird meter's like, you know, in red zone. And you're like, oops, overbearing, you know. Mary, I almost did that to your son today, by the way, uh, because we've been praying for your health, Pete, and, uh, and to put a face to the prayer. It's amazing. You're loved. I hope you feel that you're so loved so much, right? Sometimes you feel like you're crossing a line to tell somebody you've been praying for them when you've never met them before, Right? But at other times, you're like, we've been praying for you. And it's this moment. In our small group, we prayed for one of Allie's friends for a long time. 
And uh, we would pray for our friend Jessica. It was kind of cool. And then she shows up to church. And then you get to invest into their life. Love so much. I hope you can feel that for someone, for something. That's what First Thessalonians 2.8 lived out feels like. It's just like, yes, this is why we pray for our neighbors. This is why we pray for prayer requests and pray for people by name. And we need to pray for our cities and we need to pray for our communities and we need to pray for our region and, and, and have people who love so much all around. Finally, how do we love everyone so much? Because I'll just camp on that oh, story after story. Thought for, share your life with all people. This is where you open your life, right? Live life open. Jeremiah 29, 5 through 7. I know I share it a lot, but here it is. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too prosper. That's the explanation of somebody who's all in, loving so much where they're planted. Deep roots in a community. Loving with everything they have. Being a watchman. Living a life of compassion for those around them. Even for the city. We need people who love so much in every community, in every city, every neighborhood, every school, every company, every family. That's what we pray for. Pray that the workers go out, us, and share our lives. Not just the gospel, our lives as well. People are not someone to evangelize. People are to be loved. Acts 2, 42 through 47 explains this in the, in the early church, like how this played out. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. Well, in other words, they had a so much moment, right? How was the church? Was the church good? Was the early church good? Oh, so much, right? A deep sense of awe, something unexplainable, beyond the norm. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. Sharing our life not only brings our life peace and joy and a beautiful sense of generosity, it brings increase to the church. They added a number daily of those that were finding Jesus and following and growing in a relationship with Jesus because this love is contagious that has us fully surrendered and all in with our faith. You never know who is watching. 
You just don't. It boggles my mind who likes a photo of me being active in my faith somewhere in the world. And you're full on saying, you know, we prayed for people and it was incredible. And the person who likes it, you're going, huh? I was in a meeting this week with some of those people in my life that are the farthest from God, you know, notorious sinners. I was in a meeting with them. In fact, one of them said out loud, oh, I know I'm going to hell. <laughs> and you're just like, I can fix that if you want to have a conversation. We can pray a simple prayer. No. Self-proclaimed, I'll never eat at Chick-fil-A or shop at Hobby Lobby. I mean, we're having this conversation out loud. It was kind of interesting. And yet my heart's moved to compassion. And the weirdest thing is, this person is the first to say to everybody in the room, you're all signing up to serve at the Big Give this November, right? You're just going, what? You won't eat a Chick-fil-A, but you'll serve at the Big Give. I do not get it. Why? There's a love that's contagious that they've experienced here in the community that is different. I can't wait for the day that person follows Jesus. <laughs> I'm just going to go crazy. I hope you love some people like that. They're just brutally far from Jesus, but yet we're praying for. It just happens, we gotta be present in the world and we'll have a burden for people. I hope you're unashamed, full of life, becoming a part of each other's stories. I mean, that's what sharing your lives is like. Um, so 1 Thessalonians 2.8, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you've become so dear to us. So the action point is simple. Allow people to become dear to you. Open up your hearts. Live your life open. Be quick to see people, serve people, pray for people, and share your life with all people. And I guarantee you're going to live a life that is so contagious and full. It'll blow your mind. It all starts with a relationship with Jesus. And that love flows through that. It comes in that way and it goes out through your relationship with Jesus. And if you've never made that decision to cross the line of faith and give your life to Jesus, I'm going to pray first for that. And then I'm gonna pray that we would be a people that love so much. So God, I thank you for everyone who made it today. The vacations are kind of coming to an end. School year's about to start. But we found ourselves in your presence today. And I pray that God, those who made it today and made their way today, and they've yet to, to choose to follow you and grow in a relationship with you, Jesus, that they would simply invite you into their, their life today and make a commitment to start growing that relationship. We'll walk right along with them. Simply pray this prayer with me if that's you. Jesus, come into my life. I confess you right now as Lord and, and that you, you came and you took my place on a cross, that you rose three days later to give me life now and life eternally. Thank you for a full life and peace of mind that I can experience right now. I want to grow in relationship with you. 
And God, for the rest of us who maybe have already made that decision or we made it long ago and we're wanting to reconnect with you, I pray that right now you would rise up in us a love that is so deep for those around us, be it in our family, our neighborhood, our school, our workplace, our city. The Lord, we would be those that would see a business closed down in the community and be broken in prayer for those owners and pray for the future of the community. That, Lord, we would be moved to, to, to be your presence in the world around us, your love extended. Because you said that we need to pray for people to go out into the community where the crowds are, crowds of need, crowds that are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And you're putting us in these helpless scenarios to be love and not just love, love so much. So God, would you fill us with that kind of love for others? Break our hearts for people we've yet to even meet so that when they experience our life, we'll be the hands and feet and love of God over their life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want you to spend a couple minutes here, reflect on what God's challenging you to do today and maybe turn over that connect card and complete it. Share with us so we can be praying along with you, walking along on the journey with you. I'll come back and close us in just a second as the worship team sings.